Ah, yes, rolling right along. Three hours down, an hour left to play with. It is the Moose and Maggie Show. Mark Malusis flying solo here on this Saturday morning, coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every single day. As we kick off the and head to the guest line, kick it off hour number four. Welcome aboard David Scott, correspondent for Real Sports, friend of the show, has been on a number of times on HBO with Brian Gumbel. He's got an interesting story this week on, on guaranteed college football games. Hey, David, Mark Malusis with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it, David, and, and we'll start. It's interesting when you, when you see these matchups in college football, and, and certainly we had a couple upsets early on, uh, but, but talk about the history of guaranteed games in college football. Yeah, it's true that, that, that once in a blue moon, there'll be an upset. Um, but for the most part, everybody knows how, how these games are going to end, right? Um, and, uh, and for our purposes, we're, we're, gonna, we're focusing on the most extreme uh, variety of, uh, of, uh, of guaranteed games, those between you know, the elite FBS schools and uh, and. Uh, and black colleges, HBCUs that, in, in another time, could compete with the best, but uh, but in a in a sad and unintended consequence of desegregation, have become really um, shells of their former selves as uh, as, uh, as sports teams, and and in, in some cases as uh, as institutions of higher learning. Um, when all that talent was free to go. To schools that they had previously been barred from, uh, black colleges lost all that talent, and 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 with and as talent goes, so goes resources. And so, this set of institutions is uh, is is really fighting for their lives, and uh, and at risk is the noble tradition uh, that they brought to higher learning and access to higher learning, and the noble tradition that they brought to to sports teams. Um, and and so that's why we're 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 focusing on HBCUs that are really desperate and driven to play these games for money, and on the other end, the um, the best schools in college football who are willing to to pay them um, to suit up and uh, and in all likelihood lose. Um, you know, I guess you could say financial win-win, right? The HBCUs walk away with hundreds of thousands of dollars. The uh, FBS schools uh, have uh, an enormous and lucrative uh, pep rally, essentially, and and uh, and they'll rake in millions of dollars. Um, and uh, and so no harm, no foul, except for what some black coaches say uh, are the hidden costs: the fact that all that money is being made literally off the hides of HBCU players. Um, because football is a dangerous game, and if you add a competitive mismatch, then you're just increasing the danger. And there is some nascent evidence that, uh, that in fact, um, when you have that kind of disparity in competitive ability, football gets more dangerous and kids get hurt. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that momentarily. Um, and we're talking to David Scott, correspondent for HBO Real Sports. And, you know, one of those games earlier this year was Howard and UNLV. And, and David, I, I did not know. I read a, um, a column in, in the Washington Post that my producer Anthony uh, printed out for me this week as I prepared for the show this morning. I did not know UNLV uh, put together a program 
to try and um, uh, to try and uh, I guess uh, uh, diversify uh, uh, people coming to to Las Vegas that. They put together the the UNLV is for three straight years is going to be playing HBCU programs. This was the second of three years. I, I did not know that UNLV put that program together. Well, it's interesting. It's you know it's it's uh, guaranteed games has have become you know really ubiquitous in 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 college sports. It's it's not just uh, the uh, the FBS teams that are doing the paying anymore. It's some of the mid majors. Um, it's, uh, it's not just football, but also basketball. Part of our report focuses on the um, on, on the practice of, uh, of paid games uh, in uh, in HBCU basketball, which, as you know, is also a you know has a proud, rich tradition. Um, but uh, but today, the, those programs are also so desperate for cash that they'll put their kids on the road uh, to play as many of as, as fourteen paid games against far superior opponents. Uh, before their regular conference season even begins, and uh, and and there the concerns are less about injury than than uh, than uh, to their to their physical selves than uh, than to their selves in uh, in in the classroom. Um, as you know, um, uh, basketball graduation rates have been a concern for a long time. Sure, you put you put a kid on the road to pay, play 14 games in you know in 12 states. Um, and, and You're not really up, concerned you know, about education there. That, that, that's right, and uh, and and what we're finding is um, is, uh, is, it, is guarantee games are actually contributing to physical harm in football and academic harm in basketball. Well, here's my question, David. From your reporting, um, does the the HBCU programs? Um, I know they're they're all they're all different in the amount of money that that is flowing through their uh, respective program. Do they need these pay-for-play games? Do they need these type of mismatch games in order to pay for their other sports in the program? Absolutely. You know, D1 sports are expensive. I mean, just the administration of a D1 program uh, requires an army of staff to do reporting and compliance. And, you know, that's before you get to to trainers and tutors and, 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 and coaches and facilities. And equipment and and all that. So, so you know, a college that's that's operating at the D1 level uh, requires vast infrastructure. Um, you know, some of the some of the programs at the top of D1, they're they're hundred million dollar businesses. Um, you know, Georgia's um, uh, athletic department budget is something like 125 million dollars. You know, that's 10 or 12 times the uh, the uh, the size of the budget of uh, of of, of most HBCU athletic programs, so so yeah, they're they're they, they are truly um, desperate for uh, for for cash. They they are still you know devoted to their D1 status and struggling to 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 maintain it. And you know a lot of people say if you can't afford Division One sports without putting your basketball team on the road, it is like traveling salesman. Without putting your football teams at risk by playing far outmatched opponents, um, then that probably means you're in the wrong game. And people are are arguing um, for uh, for dropping down to D2 or even D3. And in some cases, maybe some of these institutions have to face the prospect that you know their missions have now changed and uh, and they don't need to be in the sports game at all. You know, and, and you mentioned it, it can have catastrophic 
cons- uh, you know, catastrophic in, in, in injuries, uh, David, and, and you highlighted uh, in, in your piece on Real Sports, which is going to debut uh, this week, and Real Sports is fantastic with Brian Gumbel, and a new episode appears on HBO uh, this Tuesday night, September 26. Talk a little bit about that, David. Yeah, um, 2015, uh, Southern University, a small HBCU in Louisiana, accepts $650,000 to play the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Southern's budget is something like $10 million at the time. Georgia's budget at the time is something like athletic budget, something like $125 million. Georgia has a team full of five-star recruits. Southern has none. And uh, and uh, and yet, Southern puts its team on a on a ten hour bus ride to to get to the University of Georgia, which has sold out its ninety two thousand seat uh, stadium, uh, and um, uh, and 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 one undersized wide receiver um, is excited to take the field from from Southern, all one hundred and fifty five pounds of him. He um, he's in a he's in a uh, a kick, uh, a kick, uh, kickoff return team, and uh, and he tries to block the Georgia kicker, um, uh, and uh, and though he's a place kicker, he's a big place kicker. Marshall Morgan from Georgia, he's, he's six, uh, he's six two, he's two hundred pounds. He's got six inches and fifty pounds on on uh, on Southern's Devon Gale, and uh, and that collision cost. Um, uh, Devon Gale's uh, his ability to uh, to walk. These uh, um, uh, C6 vertebrae shatters upon impact, and um, and uh, and and he leaves the field in a stretcher. Now you could argue that that could have happened in practice. That football's dangerous could happen in any game. Um, the question is whether adding the dimension of such great disparity in competitive ability. You know, where Southern's going up against a team that's bigger, stronger, faster, more talented, better resources. Uh, the question is whether that adds to the danger and whether Southern put Devon Gales at excessive risk by putting, putting him on the field uh, with such an overmatched team. What does Devon Gale think? I'm sorry? Oh, what Devon Gale. Devon Gale, you know, it's interesting. You know, these kids are athletes, right? They're game. I, they, they, you could put them in a game with the New York Giants, and they would, and they'd run into a big, a brick wall for you. Um, they're they're young kids uh, who are excited to be on the field, and of course, he's thrilled to, you know, to to be in the Georgia Stadium and in the sea of red, and and to try and you know make a good showing and 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 prove himself. But after, um, I mean, but David, after having, I mean, that is a, a life-altering, life-changing right. injury. What does he think right. now? Uh, I, he, he told me he wouldn't do anything different. Really? He doesn't blame, he doesn't blame Georgia. He doesn't blame Southern. Um, you know, he's um, he's a he's a, he's a he's a man of he's a young man of uh, of great faith and and believes God has a plan for him, um, which is all well and fine. Um, you know, the question is when when we send our kids to go to college, we expect the adults uh, that run these institutions to protect them, to make decisions that don't them at undue in undue danger and 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 while Devon Gales and his family in signing up for a football program accept some risk question is do they accept all the risk when 
when they're being put up against opponents, against teams that are, are so far superior that you could argue they're, you know, really not in the same league. And because football is dangerous, you don't need to do anything to add to the danger. Uh, but for his part, he is a young man with, uh, with, uh, with no guile, with, uh, with no grudge, and, um, and, uh, and we will, uh, we'll see him in the piece um, focusing on his, uh, on his long-term rehabilitation recovery. You know, and, and um, Dave, and, and listen, it's, it's a wonderful piece. I, I, to wrap up our conversation here, David, um, and, and you do remarkable work, you really do, and this is just another long lot, another list in, in the, the great work that you do for real sports, is, is um, where's the, what's the solution? I mean, what's the resolution here? Um, how, you know, the, the HBCU programs need the money uh, to pay for it. It's obvious mismatches. Uh, you can look across the board, you know, 76 nothing, 65-3. I mean, you had Georgia Southern losing to Penn State last week, 56. I mean, you, you go up and down. What, what, where do you, where, how does this get resolved? Where's the solution here? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, right? For, first of all, um, I think, you know, we need, we need the teams, the conferences, the NCAA to take some responsibility here. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, they're the ones in a position to do a definitive analysis of whether, in fact, injuries are more likely to happen in, in games with, with such mismatched opponents. They haven't done it. At least they haven't released any data that shines light on that question. And then parents, players, coaches can make more informed decisions about this. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then I think on the other side, you know, HBCUs um, take on a special responsibility for the kids that enroll in their institutions. And so they have to decide, even in the absence of, of, of scientific evidence, whether they're prepared to, 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 to put their kids at, uh, at, at additional risk uh, for money. Um, and, you know, the, the, the second most winningest coach in, uh, in black college history, Coach Billy Joe, um, who's a legend in, in college football, coached for 34 years, a member of, of nine halls of fame. He's really the man on fire about this. And he says, look, HBCUs are still vitally needed for educational access. For sports access, not so much, right? Long gone are the days where, where African, the best African-American athletes were, were restricted to black colleges. So maybe it's time to, to rethink uh, the mission of those institutions, focus it more sharply on, on education, and, and not prioritize sports so much that they have to do things that put their athletes at risk of physical injury and academic failure. Great discourse, great conversation, and uh, appreciate you bringing awareness to the topic uh, David Scott, correspondent uh, for Real Sports on HBO with Brian Cumble. Uh, we'll be looking forward to Tuesday night uh, when it debuts, the piece debuts on HBO, David, and uh, appreciate a couple minutes this morning. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks very much. Listen, I, I, I hope you give me just a, you know, 10 seconds to give a shout-out to the, the guy who really developed the story for us, producer Josh Fine. Uh, he's been behind many of, uh, many of our very substantial investigative pieces, including the, the Qatar story we did. Yep. Uh, in 2014, the the IOC special we did last summer, and um, um, I just want to everybody should know that uh, that uh, this is uh, very much a Josh Fine initiative, and 
and um, he brings uh, so much, uh, so much to the show. Uh, we appreciate him. No, that's well said, David. Last one on that topic. Um, how long is a story? De- I know each and every individual story is a little bit different. How long do you work on it before it hits air? Good question. I mean, in this case, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of um, wasn't a lot hasn't been a lot done on on the topic in in you know in, in very substantial terms. Everybody knows this practice goes on, but very few people know what's behind it, the, the kind of money that's generated, uh, et cetera. So this this required a lot of primary research. And, uh, and it's been in the works for, uh, for several months. David Scott, Real Sports, Brian Gumbel, Tuesday night, September 26th, exclusively on HBO. We'll be locked in. David, appreciate a couple minutes this morning. Thank you. Really appreciate your interest.